Okay, giving you a double dose of the podcast this week. Uh, coming to you late night, Friday night. We're going to call it prime time. How about that? Uh, catering to the West Coast audience a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up um, our conference previews with the final two of the 13 conferences I've previewed thus far. If you missed any of those previews, obviously all of those uh, are available here on YouTube as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, plus the write-ups, those are available on the website as well. You don't be sure to check those out. Um, you know, over the course of the last month, I've talked about as many as a hundred different impact players in various leagues, uh, dozens of programs and coaches. Uh, highlighted a few key matchups even uh, upcoming in, in conference play. So. Uh, a lot of good information out there, uh, whether you want to listen to the podcast, you want to watch on YouTube, or like I said, even comb through the websites and, and uh, catch up on some light reading. Um, so if you missed any of that, like I said, be sure to go back and, and check it out, um, all the platforms, and then plus uh, the write-ups and videos on pdspicks.com, where obviously everything I post uh, is available. So uh, I'm probably... <laughs> Probably doing this episode a little bit in reverse order, uh, previewing the MIHL and the KLAA right now, um, live right on YouTube, and then going to the MIHL Media Day on Sunday and the KLAA Media Day on Monday. Um, Might have been better off to go to the Media Days and then uh, do the previews, but um nonetheless excited wanted to get this out wanted to put a bow on the conference previews as well and really worst case scenario it's more content for you guys to digest um being uh expected to be at both of those uh media days we will have exclusive video content interviews with players coaches whoever's available at those events uh we'll be sure to share those on the platform as well and make that available to you on PD's picks, social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, threads, wherever you want to find me. Uh, so really win-win, right? You get content now, you'll get content later. And, uh, and yeah, this is what the high school hockey season is going to be, man. Something new every day, lots of stuff going on. So obviously excited. Uh, okay. Where do I want to start here? Um, As far as the KLAA and the MIHL go, it's not even really debatable in my mind. These are the top two conferences in Michigan high school hockey. Um, If you want to come at me with that, if you want to debate and try, feel free. But I just think it's pretty clear cut at this point that those are the top two conferences in our state. Um, You know, there's a lot. What do I want to say? Okay. to, to kind of shift gears here again, uh, I'm not going to put a time limit on it, especially with these two being as, as much as there is to get to with both of these conferences. I'm not going to set a time limit on it. I just got a bunch of great stuff here. I'm going to go till I, till I run out and, uh, and then we'll move on. So, uh, I'm going to start with the KLAA. I'll finish up with the MIHL. So, uh, as far as the KLAA goes, it looks like there's some changes going on, obviously, within the conference. Uh, the two divisions, East and West, um, 
now uh what was it? it used to be lopsided i believe last season there was six in one and five in the other obviously with the co-op uh of livonia franklin and livonia churchill merging to become livonia united um that balances out the the divisions there to five and five um kind of an unfortunate co-op in my opinion you know you'd, you'd love to see both of these programs remain standalones and, and be healthy in their own rights. But, you know, just with it being such a, a proud hockey community there in Livonia, but, um, but, you know, it's, it's a bit of a harsh reality too, I think with, with where we are with hockey in the state of Michigan, um, just in terms of the sheer number of hockey players uh, across the state and, and things like that, that obviously it's even impacting um, some of the, tried and true programs here that have been around for a long time, uh, even in the Metro Detroit area. So, so like I said, it, it's unfortunate, but I definitely get it. I understand. Um, it's just kind of a bummer because those two, especially during my time in the KLAA, um, you know, fun rivalries there with, um, with the Livonia schools and things like that. So um, I do think that'll be a pretty strong co-op actually um, with those two being able to merge forces and, and team up there, you know, Churchill, Churchill won 15 games last season. Bryce Brown is just a junior. You know, he had 29 points in, in 25 games. Austin Ferris is another kid there that, um, you know, those two, Brown and Ferris, finished two and three uh, in scoring for the Chargers last season. So to potentially have both of those guys coming back, then you merge with Franklin. Franklin's got a, a kid like Caleb Curdo who, um, you know, led the – led. Um, led the Patriots in scoring there. Um, so obviously with that co-op of, of the Red Stallions, uh, there's a lot of promise there and, and some pieces that I think could, within that merge, provide and, and end up being a pretty strong co-op in, in year one. Um, looking at, some, obviously, the next door neighbor there in, in Livonia Stevenson, who has won that East division for as long as I can remember. I, I didn't uh, didn't go too far back. Uh, on the hub there, but uh, I do think there's a bit of a chance that could change this season just with where the Spartans are at. They're going to be crazy young. I mean, young in a way that like no program in the state um, is, let alone a, a blue blood like Stevenson. Um, you know, I think I heard at one point <laughs> they're only expected to have one senior on the entire team. So uh, senior night could be could be a pretty short one there come fe come February, uh, so that it's just uh, it's kind of bizarre to think about any program in the state. Like I said, to to have just one senior on the squad, uh, let alone Stevenson. So I think it'll be a bit of a growing season, you know, for Coach Dave Mitchell there, working and molding, you know, young and developing players, things like that. It could be a bit of a challenge, but obviously Dave is is one of the best in the game and, and at doing doing that type of stuff and, and working with young kids and developing them and getting them to uh, a level that um, top level high school programs play at. So they do get guys back like Derek Buchanan. He, as I mentioned, would be that lone senior. Uh, I like Owen Hall a lot. You know, he's that prototypical Stevenson forward. Saw a lot of him in the MDHL that I liked. He's, he's that, uh, you know, gritty, hardworking, high motor guy who's just constantly going on the forecheck. Uh, like I said, the kind of the uh, the archetype of, of a lot of Stevenson forwards over the last couple of years. 
Uh, Colin Strobel, I think this will be his first year playing high school hockey uh, to have him on the blue line. I like him a lot. You know, he was another kid in the MDHL this past fall uh, who can be, I'm going to say sneaky, good prospect. You know, he just plays the game the right way. Does a lot of the little things you like to see as a defenseman. Uh, doesn't try to get too flashy with it or, or try to do too much, which I think can be a bit of a problem with uh, some of your high-end defensemen who want to force it a little bit. They want to make a big play. They want to hit that cross-ice pass. They want to push the back end and and uh, kind of expose themselves or take some chances. I don't see that in Colin Strobel. I think he's, he's like I said, really uh, self-aware is probably a good way to put it. He, he knows what he's capable of. He knows how his style can impact the game and doesn't really um, expose himself in, in the sense of the game or, or uh, you know, expose weaknesses or open up uh, lanes to the net or, or things like that. So um, even with all that uncertainty around Stevenson too, I still think they're probably the favorite to win the, win the East, just given, uh, you know, you look at some of the other teams on that side of the conference, Livonia United, like I said, may be able to compete in some spots, uh, but one team I think that can uh, that can be sneaky this season on on that half of the conference uh, is Salem. So I, I think that's one who some of the pieces they have coming back. Uh, Carson Patel was a point per game guy last year as a junior. You know I can see him kind of taking the reins of that offense and, and and elevating his game to another level. Plus Cam Eichner, Abel Dubnik on the back end. Those are guys I've talked about. Uh, earlier in the podcast as well. I really liked them as a pair. You know, they were a pair in the MDHL at one point to then have them kind of build, continue building that um, familiarity, that chemistry, carry it into the, into the now regular season. Uh, Salem, it's just a gritty style team too. Um, you know, with all those guys I highlighted also, you, there's a couple, there's a couple other problem, you know, um, key returners to that sprinkle in there, in there, in the mix as well. So Salem's going to have a lot coming back, which I think makes them uh, a potential threat to a a Stevenson championship there on, on the East division. Um, You know, Salem, I know firsthand we saw it last year and, and uh, going head to head with them. It's a program that just has a certain identity about it. Super scrappy, hardworking bunch. Uh, You know, they really, are, and they just got dogs in that lineup is the best way I can put it. Uh, just a scrappy bunch year in and year out. But, you know, there's also moments where they can flash an ability and, and make some pretty plays where it's a, you know, a tic-tac-toe set up on, on a power play goal and things like that too. So uh, as gritty and hard-nosed as they can be, uh, they can also flash and dash a little bit when they get the opportunity to, which I think makes them a pretty dangerous uh, team there in the KLAA. So I don't know that I'm ready just yet to, to pick them, uh, but at least, uh, you know, I'll at least admit the potential for them to pretend, you know, top Stevenson in that and win that East division there. But uh, you know, obviously we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more as we go here as I take a break and, and hydrate for a minute. Whew. All right, so as we get into the West, as much as I think the East could be pretty cut and dry, I think the West, on the other hand, is, is going to be pretty wild. Uh, you know, Brighton, 
obviously the team team to beat in the West basically returned all of its key players from a season ago. Uh, you know, Heartland was young last season may still be on the younger side this season as well, but um, obviously more experienced and, and coach Rick Gadwa just knows how to win in this conference, you know, knows the team he's been around for a long time, knows the teams, knows the programs uh, and things like that. Howell, you know, lots of people are talking about them already uh, in the, in the high school hockey circles on how good they could be this year. So uh, that puts a little, you know, seed of doubt in the West division. Northville, Northville's a team I love uh, under second year coach Ryan Ossenmacher. Uh, and then you got Novi to you know put a cherry on top of all that. They could have as many as 15 players back from last season. So uh, there's there's an element to each one of these teams on the West side where you could potentially make a case uh, for just about all of them to end up as a, as the division champ. So uh, Brighton is is the favorite, a pretty obvious favorite and rightfully so, you know, Cam Duffney, uh, I've said it before, may be the best player in the state this year. He's dynamic offensively in a way that I'm not sure anyone this year is capable of doing. Uh, Lane Pettit, Charlie Birchfield, Levi Penela, all those guys were, were members of team Michigan last spring. You can't overlook that. Aiden Sider, Ryan Watkins, Mason Blow, those are all huge returners you got coming back who um, obviously have a ton of experience coming off that that state finals run just a season ago. With a lot of those guys being in their senior seasons, they're going to want to put, you know, the exclamation point on their high school careers and, and be a pretty highly motivated bunch. So um, there's always high expectations for Brighton, but this season does feel a little bit different because – Normally those expectations are internal, you know, in the locker room, we expect a lot of ourselves this season. It feels a lot like others outside of Brighton expect the Bulldogs to win. Uh, that could make things a bit uncomfortable. I'd say, you know, it's an unusual challenge. I think for coach Kirk Cavisto could be a high stress, uh, high pressure, you know, I wrote in the blog on, on pdspicks.com, when everyone expects you to be the best, what happens when a penalty doesn't go your way and costs you a crucial crucial goal? Uh, what happens when you're trailing after two periods to a team like Novi? Uh, what happens if you drop a game to Northville or Howell? You know, what when those expectations exist, my fear is you grip the stick a little tighter, mistakes get amplified. Uh, and, and things can snowball kind of quickly for you there. So the challenge for Brighton will be, can you kind of handle that adversity? Can you overcome that adversity? Uh, and, and I'd absolutely like to think they can, right? With with the just amount of game experience they have, uh, you know, a team like Brighton obviously is not only capable of, of winning the KLAA, but getting over the hump and winning a state title this season too. You know, there, I said it. <laughs> I think there's a team capable of beating Detroit Catholic Central. So, you know, talk about expectations. There they are, man. There's there's potential there. I, uh, this team, uh, with the experience and the talent that they have, there's enough pieces in place there uh, to at least plant that seed of potential. So uh, let me shift my focus here to, to some other teams in the West. Heartland. Ian Castamo is, is at the forefront of that offense. I think guys like Luca DeGiarlamo, uh, Drew Lesperance, 
you know, there's a lot of potential in those two in particular to make pretty significant jumps in their development from last season to this season. Uh, You know, both of them just had eight points last season. And I think both are capable of being 25 points plus each uh, as a junior and, and a sophomore. So I think both of those guys are ripe for for big uh, development jumps here in 23-24. The Eagles have just had a lot of younger guys that that look to be stepping into to larger roles coming up. You know, Brady Hubenschmidt in goal being one of those guys as well. He's just one of a few goaltending options that, that Rick Gadwa has there. Um, you know, it, he's got a couple goalies, I think, at his disposal, which – uh, is usually a good problem to have. You know, I'd rather have two or three goalies capable of, of being in net as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to piecemeal it together and and get away with um, without a goalie, so to speak. So to, to have options in net uh, is, is a luxury that not many have around the state. So uh, a couple more teams here. Sorry, I got to take a quick break here. So a couple other teams. Obviously, I mentioned Howell, uh, Joel Escala, Marco Wolf, Ben Hutari. You know, those aren't just returners. The returners who produced a lot of offense last season. Uh, Chad Patilla put up 19 points from the blue line as a freshman. Uh, may have been one of the best defenders among the class of 2026. He'll be around for a while. That's a guy you can, you know, a guy like Rocky Johnson can build around for the next couple of seasons. You know, the Highlanders, they're going to beat some teams. Uh, they're going to beat some teams that others might count them out, where uh, I, I don't want to say you'd ever write off Howell, but um, looking at like a Brighton-Howell matchup, it, it's pretty, uh, in years past, pretty easy to to pencil in Brighton as a, as a dub there. But uh, I think there's going to be a couple of those instances this year where people might write off Howell and then they end up stealing one. So, uh, could be an exciting, real exciting season there for for uh, the Highlanders. Uh, another team, Nor- Northville, you know, that's another team kind of in that same vein. They were 10, 15, and 2 last season. I think they could win as many as 17 or 18 games this season uh, in year two under Ryan Ossenmacher. He's done a great job of just getting that team to play the right way, you know, disciplined, scrappy hockey, keeping things simple, just pucks out of the D zone and pucks deep into the offensive zone. Um, I think they will be a real strong this season with guys like Cole LaFear and, and Connor Bozatsky coming back. But then plus there's potential newcomers uh, like Brady Couture, uh, Alex Kasapis. You know, those two were solid guys in the MDHL this fall. Uh, rumblings of another uh, one or multiple AAA kids uh, potentially making that jump. Uh, to the Mustangs this winter. So when you hear things like that, uh, it it leads me to believe the tides are turning a little bit within the school itself. You know, kids are starting to buy in uh, and believe in, in what you're building. So to see the trickle effect starting to pick up and, and, and Ossenmacher starting to get some of those guys to, to come in and be a part of the program uh, you know, that's a, good thing, not just for this season, but a great thing for years to come. Uh, so, so I really like where Northville is at this year, but, and then obviously love the potential, uh, for the future. So, 
Uh, I'll round it out here, obviously, with Novi. You know, Novi won 14 games last season. Gabe Armstrong, Luke Londo, Jackson Kinter all coming back. You know, they accounted for for a third of the team's offense last season. So for a guy like Coach uh, Dane Barazzini getting them back, usually it's the inverse. Yeah, you know, usually you're losing a third of your offense. In this case, you know, he's, he's bringing back a good chunk there. So uh, I'll wrap it up with conference predictions. And as I was kind of typing up my show sheet and everything, you know, I got to this section in – couldn't make up my mind, so I just left it blank. And so I figured I'd, I'd wing it on the spot here. And out of the East, you know, it really is tough to go against Stevenson. I think Salem is going to give them a run for their money, and it's going to come down to, you know, however that head-to-head matchup goes. So now I'm going to take the rocks. We'll go with Salem out of the East. Ultimately, I think chalk prevails in the West. I can't go against Brighton right now. Uh, you know, I'm gonna steer into the skid there. As I was mentioning, the expectations. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pile on the expectations with the Bulldogs and and take them to not only win the division but then come out on top of the conference as well. So, um, okay, that's it for the KLAA, and I've now saved the best for last of the 13 conferences. Yes, that's right. The MIHL is the best conference in all of Michigan high school hockey. I think I speak for most of the state when I say that. It's a it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's true. Uh, it's like admitting it's like admitting the SEC is better than the Big 10 or Canada is better than the US at hockey. Like we don't want it to be true. Those of us on the outside, you know, those of us that aren't in the MIHL wish it was different, but it's just not. <laughs> um, member teams of the MIHL have accounted for 34 of the past 60 state champions. Uh, CC, Rice, Cranbrook, you know, they made it a clean sweep of state titles back in 2021. To further illustrate the league's dominance in high school hockey. You know, I, I mentioned the MIHL and the KLAA being the number one and number two conferences in our sport. Uh, the MIHL KLAA showcase, which was established back in 2017, uh, similar structure and setup to the big 10 ACC challenge in college basketball, right? Uh, the top two conferences the MIHL has won it every year since the event started seven years ago. Uh, you know, the best of the best of the best. And what the MIHL is to high school hockey, Detroit Catholic Central has been to the MIHL. CC has dominated the league, undefeated in, MI in MIHL play dating back to, I believe, February of 2021. Uh, and, and we're in the midst of a historic run for Coach Brandon Kalnicki and the Shamrocks. You know, four state championships, completely dominant, shut everybody out en route to a state title last winter. Uh, I think what we're seeing and experiencing in real time is the equivalent of what Cranbrook did in the 2000s, uh, what Trenton did for much of the 90s and 2000s 
we're in the midst of an exceptionally wild run of dominance by CC. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to go on social media with any hot takes about how four teams are better than an undefeated CC squad. I'm not going to give you some bold take about how, you know, they're finding ways to win like a four to one victory is some kind of fluke or something. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to put out, you know, my PD's rankings where the Shamrocks are fourth or fifth behind teams they've already beaten. CC is the best team in the state until they're not the best team in the state. I will say, I think the gap has closed a little bit in past years. The MIHL is going to be tough as always. I think Brighton is capable of beating CC. You know, I mentioned that earlier. I think more teams this year than in past years have the ability to be competitive with CC. That's kind of what I meant by, by that. But, um, but all that really says to me is, is a team or two might actually score on them in the playoffs this time around. So, um, you know, looking around the league, I've talked about U of D a decent amount this fall. They're going to be deep this year with a ton of talent. Carter Kate, Tommy Angel, Henry Belazia, Paul Terrio coming in as well. The Cubs are going to be really dangerous. I like them a lot. Brother Rice, obviously, Rice and CC, that rivalry is, is you know, the best in high school hockey. And, and, uh, and that's one the Warriors always get up for, right? Uh, Jack Cassidy, Johnny Coons, you know, that's their kind of leadership group on the team there. I really liked guys like Roman Valer, Nick Hadji, uh, Cam George, getting to see those guys at the MHA this fall. You know, I really liked how they were. Turner England, maybe their best option in goal that they've had in years. Uh, so Rice lost a lot, right, with, uh, with guys like Marone and Rosa. So I think there's some question marks. I'll be a little curious to see um, what they look like this season moving forward. But, you know, ultimately that program, it absolutely reloads. Sometimes you don't know what's coming in until last minute and then boom, they, uh, they land a couple of AAA kids and the JV, you know, kids from the JV program have developed that you weren't quite aware of. Uh, and, and rice just keeps humming along business as usual. So, um, with all the hockey prospects that are in that school system, obviously uh, they're, they're going to be a contender year in and year out. Um, so Rice is, is still one to look for as always. You know, I think coach John LaFontaine and Cranbrook went through some growing pains last year with a really young squad. They bounced back, you know, I think they bounced back big from, uh, from a seven win season last season you know, I think the Cranes could double that win total this winter. Roman Sicko is is one of my favorite uh, defensemen in the senior class this year. Uh, Trenton, Orchard Lake, De La Salle, you know, they're all kind of that middle tier for me there in, in the MIHL. But, you know, those are some of the blue bloods of, of Michigan high school hockey and always mainstays at, at the top of the state rankings. You know, people have raved about Will Keen for, for the Eaglets. He's just a junior, got a couple games under his belt, got a couple varsity games under his belt. Uh, but but talks of him potentially being in the mix as the top goaltender in the state. So uh, a lot of potential there. And, 
obviously if, if your best player is, is in goal, that's going to give you a chance night in and night out. Uh, Trenton graduated just five seniors last spring. That's, that's one of their smallest uh, outgoing classes in recent memory. Uh, but I also feel like, and I, I can't quite figure out why, but um, maybe there's some uncertainty a little bit with the Trojans. I just, you know, are they lacking a little bit of that star power in the lineup that they've had uh, over the last couple of years where, you know, who's going to be that go-to guy when they need a big play or they, they need a, a clutch goal? Um, you know, I feel like Trenton's always had that in the lineup and, and I'm not sure I could pinpoint who that guy is right now for you. Um, and, and so I just think there's, there's some question marks there, but obviously Trenton is, is, um, is one of those programs that you're never going to count out. So, uh, all those teams I think could, could make things interesting there obviously, but, um, but CC ultimately is, is, you know, the obvious pick to me as, uh, as the MIHL champ yet again for, for obvious reasons. So uh, a couple dates I want to get to here. If you give me a second, one date to remember, obviously rice versus CC on, I believe Thanksgiving Eve, as always, um, you know, I went into great detail with that matchup in the blog on pdspicks.com. Uh, I believe that game in particular is at, rice so that's one of those there's going to be a home crowd you know home ice advantage there for sure it'll be a buzzing atmosphere for obvious reasons uh even if i think cc has more talent some of that sometimes the the emotion and energy of of a, a home game can be the equalizer there in a in a pretty big rivalry in, in series and as i mentioned england having him in net uh, you know, he can neutralize, you know, if you have that weapon in net that can neutralize a, a high powered offense, it can make things uh, ugly, scrappy two to one game late in the third period, what happens kind of thing. So uh, that's going to be a sneaky, good matchup. And obviously you can get a lot more details on that uh, on the website. Another matchup, and I haven't done this yet with any of the conference previews highlighting two matchups, but uh, another matchup I did want to talk about was still involving CC when they travel to U of D near the end of the season. Uh, it'll be the second time these two teams meet. So there's going to be some familiarity. Uh, you know, you'll get to get some real life game experience and, and comfort level with the line matching and, and maybe exploiting some of those mismatches in the rematch, that type of stuff. Um, you know, obviously I told you how high I've been on the Cubs this year. That game goes down February 19th or no, February 9th, excuse me. Uh, I could see that being a bit of a trap game on the road, you know, U of D having an entire season to gel and grow as a team. I certainly don't feel comfortable picking against CC, uh, but I got to imagine, you know, coach Paul Moretz will, will have the Cubs in peak performance by then. And, and they're going to give the Shamrocks their best shot by that time with, uh, with the talent they've got. And, and by the end of the season, they're going to be playing some of their best hockey at about this time in the schedule, I would think. So that's one you're going to want to keep an eye out for as well. Um, so that was it. That felt kind of quick. 
I guess we're going on about a half hour though. So a uh, couple items I want to tease for the next few weeks. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter this week, I took my first crack at assembling uh, my annual 100 names to know in high school hockey. The third annual, semi-annual, I was out of commission there for, for a few years, but uh, we're back now, better than ever now, um, and obviously excited. Top 100 names to know returning to Michigan high school hockey. I am set and ready probably to reveal that list, not on next week's pod, but the pod after that. That would put us, timing-wise, we'd be dropping that right before regular season action starts. So that just that feels kind of right to me there. Uh, for next week, the plan is to unveil PD's preseason poll. You got to love the alliteration there. Uh, I'll give you my top 25 teams heading into the season. We'll talk teams, potential, over-under win totals. I mentioned a couple of them here on the episode tonight, uh, and we'll get into a bunch more. I probably, I don't think I'm going to do a, a top 25 all season long. I'm going to cut it at top 10 as we get into the season. But to start the season right out of the gate, I'll get you a preseason top 25. How about that? Um, so I'll break all that down on next week's episode. Uh, and then the following week, like I said, we'll, we'll go one level deeper and feature the top 100 list. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Follow on Apple and Spotify, connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram uh, so you can keep up on everything we're doing there. Uh, plus, pdspicks.com, your home for everything youth hockey in the state of Michigan, high school, AAA, or otherwise. So until next time, skate hard, have fun. I'll see you at the rink soon.